When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a world where the lines of fiction and reality are blurred, no one pushed the boundaries further than Jerome Young, a.k.a. New Jack. When New Jack jumped off that balcony and just kind of swan-dived or whatever you would call that dive onto the guys below, just from a visual, it was stunning. Great Handy was over down south, Memphis, Tennessee, Georgia. Great trained me. And it didn't take long for, it, for him to train me and to put me in the ring. He told me to go for it. And one of the things he always told me was, he was like, do that, create something that you've never seen before. When audiences thought they'd seen it all, New Jack took it to a whole new level. You want to talk about violence? Violence to you might be putting somebody in a figure four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on spot. Like me or not, I didn't come up here to be like. I came up here to get paid. An original gangster. An original ass whooping. An original thug. I got a criminal record. I got a college degree. I've been on both sides of the fence. Whether you want to call it a work or a shoot, if you get on me, I'm going to get on you back. If you want to work, we can work. If you want to shoot, I'll beat your ass. This was a guy who was unique and who probably could only rise to prominence in a crazy world like professional wrestling. He's a lunatic. He has a reason for being a lunatic. You know, you go into his childhood and things that, you know, happened to him that probably shaped some of his outlook on things. To me, wrestling has always been about, can you make me believe that you are the person you are purported to be? And he had that from the start. I got a college education and a criminal record, so I know how to make decisions. I don't need nobody out here cheering for me, and most of all, partner, I don't need you. 
he was two people. There was New Jack, who was in the ring, who was that crazy dude who would jump off balconies and, and, and hit you with stuff. But then there was Jerome Young. And there was that kid that you would, you know, you would see when you were driving on the road, who would give you the shirt off his back, who would give you his car, who would do anything for you, who would sit there and talk about his children. I truly feel that the reason why Jack was so violent, so extreme, because the way he grew up, his childhood, his upbringing, I think that plays a part in who he is. I mean, it has to. New Jack, for a lot of people, was that fearful wrestler because nobody could talk the talk and walk the walk that uh, New Jack did. Jack always was a personality that you could believe in him because he believed in him and he believed in him so much that he became him. Jerome Young was quite an individual. And deep in his heart, he was every bit of New Jack that he could offer. Mm, yeah, Monty and the Pharaoh, number one wrestling podcast, yeah. When it comes to podcasts, they are the cream of the crop, yeah, dig it? We know what you're thinking. Did they fire off six fascinating points of interest or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all the excitement of watching and listening to Long Island's number one wrestling podcast, I've actually forgotten myself. But being this is the Monty and the Pharaoh podcast, live from Indie Music Studios in Ronkonkoma, and the fact that they were talking to yet another champion wrestling star, one of the most powerful and talented performers from the wrestling franchise, and not to forget, well-informed and Provocative interview questions asked and answered. It was such an interesting and entertaining hour, the questions nearly blew your head clean off. Now you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? What's up, guys? It's Gina Marie here from Big Brother, and you're watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast with Monty and the Farrell. Yo, this is ECW legend, All right. and you watch the money and the Pharaoh. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty and the Pharaoh only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Konkama, Long Island. Straight out. It's another Thursday, and at the board is the super producer, the producer of all producers, known to the fans of Monty and the Pharaoh as Matty Ice. Matty, how are you, buddy? Doing amazing. As always. How was your week? So far, so good. You know, it's been a beautiful outside, so I started going biking again. You biking? Do a little bike riding. Oh, look at yeah, you. Nothing it. better than some bike riding, man. Yeah, That's for sure. You got a Schwinn or a BMX? What do we What do we tear around the woods in? We tear around in a swimmer. And a swimmer? Yeah. A swimmer? What the hell is a swimmer? Uh, is that a, 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 a Schwinn offshoot? What is that? If anyone doesn't know... Diamond bike. <laughs> 
If anyone Diamond. doesn't, are we going to stop this conversation? What? So I could you asked him on? how his, his uh, weekend was, and he's a bike rider. What? Yeah, we're on limited time. I can't sit there and talk if it's a Schwinn or it something says else. right here we're not. Go on. And that's the start of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I'm, I'm fine. Was that quick enough for you? Go on. I'm hurry not, up. Listen. Hurry up! I'm not trying Would to... Would you hurry I, up? All I'm saying... Oh, time is being wasted. I don't want to go on about a Schwinn bicycle. unbelievable. Oy. All right, bro. Rough, rough week this week. Yeah. Charles Grodin passed away. Yeah, I'm drawing a bit of a blank for some reason, and I don't know why. Something tells me I saw him in a million things, but I do remember Midnight Run. I do remember that. The classic. Yep, I do remember that. I would have to look at his total list to see all the other things he did, but apparently he did a lot Heaven of stuff. Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. Didn't they pan that movie when it came out? Now it's classic? I remember there were critics were killing that movie. Great, great movie. Hey, anyway. At least in the world of Monty, Damn, anyway. Siskel and Ebert. Go on. Don Cronodal passed away, and uh, news has it it was self-inflicted. What? Yeah. All right. I don't. I didn't know about this, so this is new to the Pharaoh. What are you talking about? What happened? Oh, I don't know. Self-inflicted means self-inflicted. Seventy-one right? years old, right? That that much I think I. I, I heard he was from... sick, so I don't know. Maybe he just decided wow. to call any, it a day. Uh, any vivid memories on Canodal? I remember when we would slaughter back in the. Uh... Well, you were so you don't have Mid Atlantic. I remember Mid Atlantic. I remember him being a little smaller than everybody else. Okay. Not overly impressive. Uh, from what I remember, we didn't really have. I tel- didn't look like a military guy. We did, yeah. didn't look like he belonged to a slaughter. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is my. View you could say that you. You know, you're a military guy. I. I didn't remember too much of him because once again, this was before we really had access to Mid Atlantic Television. Well, I was reading about him in the PWI and the Wrestler Inside Wrestling things like that. But uh, you know, he obviously had a nice little run there at one point. And do you think he had an agent? What, like Eric Sims? No. Come on. <laughs> I don't Eric know. Eric Sims. <laughs> you said agent. No, like an agent. Like a real agent. Oh, I would think so. I don't know. Did they have them back at work? Well, they my whole like point is that guy should then? be fired because they give him a name like Don Cronodal. You ain't making it anyway. Don Cronodal. Don Cronodal. Don Cronodal. Don Cronodal. Could yeah, you imagine yeah, like right. Madison Square Garden getting filled to go see Don <laughs> Cronodal? <laughs> you please, you're picking on this guy. <laughs> what are sorry. you doing? You're horrible. Even in death, people. You go for a bike ride. You got to loosen up. Jesus Christ. All right. And then probably the main death of the week is New Jack who we had in studio. Can I take a second on this one? Sure, absolutely. Um, Make it quick. ECW was... <laughs> you, <laughs> ECW was uh, my favorite uh, company back in the day, and, and New Jack, of course, was a major face to ECW. Of all the guests we've had in here, uh, and... I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for you here because I know you won't say this yourself. Uh, my partner's a pretty tough guy, and mm-hmm. I remember that um, when New Jack came in here, my partner was actually a little nervous, and I can't blame him because we didn't know who New Jack was. It's we true. knew of his rep, and we knew he was intense. And I'll never forget it. Uh, before we went on the air, I, I I wanted to tell him how much he meant to me as a wrestling fan. All marking out aside, and I w- wanted it to be genuine. And I happened to catch him before we got on the air, and I told him how much I appreciated him coming down, how much I appreciated his career. And he looked me right in the eye, and it was a genuine thank you. He was a really nice man to us. You know, one of the things I remember was is afterwards, he's like, you know, let's be Facebook friends. So when he accepted my friend request that I sent him, I wasn't like going to be like, oh, we're friends. Now I can mark out and torture you every day with stupid emails asking you about this, that, and the other thing. I, I let him be, man, because being a celebrity of any kind can't be too easy. So I was respecting his privacy. All of a sudden, I get a message on Facebook. Yo, Faro, are you out there? I wanted to make sure this is you that I friended. And I was like, yeah. And he was just like, loved being on the show. Love you guys, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this guy's so nice. You know, uh, this... 
It came out of nowhere, but at the same time, when I think about all the abuse that man put through, put his body through for the, for the love of what he did and for the entertainment of you and me, the viewers at home, I guess I can't be too surprised, man, with all the pills and all the partying and everything else. It's really sad. Love you, New Jack. You were one of my favorite people that came through these doors. Rest in peace, bro. And that was almost Hamanish. Was it? Well, he that was close to a Haman. He did the right sign there. too. Well, well Haman done. loved him. You know, that you could a, tell. That was a good eulogy. You could tell Haman loved him, and he should. New Jack was gold for that man. You know. I don't know. The only thing I remember is when he was in the studio. Cool guy, but I remember when he came in studio, he was staring at me like I was a piece of glass. I'm like, am I have to fight this fucking guy? I mean, seriously, he would not stop staring right, at me. Right. I'm like, what the fuck are you looking, looking at? through you? He was right. like he freaking was, me I out. I think he was just sizing you up because he didn't know who you were. Well, you he know? was freaking me out. <laughs> I know he was freaking you out. He was out. really freaking me I was, I was texting yeah. Farrow. This fucking guy is <laughs> freaking me out. He won't stop looking Meanwhile, at him. Meanwhile, him and I were ready to hit up the uh, Burger King drive-thru afterwards. Maria Davis says Charles Grodin was from Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh, nice. Pittsburgh, PA has got a lot of uh, big time names coming out of there. Anyway, I'd like to thank the band that sings his theme song for Monty and the Farrow, our own Jimmy Farrow, along with his partner Park Riggs. Make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as our theme song, Riding High, mm. In My Dreams, mm-hmm. This Life. Mm. That's a personal favorite of mine. Thank you. Not far behind. Here yeah. comes the rain. Right. You can find their music on Spotify, iTunes. No, I don't think iTunes is around anymore. Is it? Maybe. Who knows? How about iApple Music? Sorry. Okay, that's better. Reverb Nation. And also, please go to Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Hit that like and subscribe. It's only a few minutes, and show the band a little love. Thank you. If you didn't know it, you are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here on YouTube, Facebook Live. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. See us on our Twitch TV, Monty Nefaro page. Okay. If that's not enough, tune in to Channel 115 every Tuesday from 7 to 7.30 and catch the reduced version <sighs> where these two great guests will be... Reduced for a half an hour it will broadcast. Be professionally condensed. Condensed, reduced. They will not be reduced. And for early risers on Saturday, 6 a.m. to 6.30, and catch them on Channel 20. That's a few hours from now, from 2 a.m. to 2.30. Mm. I have a problem with that show. I can't really stay up. 2 a.m.? That's when I get up. That's perfect. Go on. We'll be right back with photographer, pro wrestler. Pro wrestler. Pro wrestling radio host. Okay. Baseball executive. Okay. Music manager and marketing genius. What else you got in there? I'm not done. You serve at the Vatican? What are we talking about here? The author of Matt Memories. Oh, this. One of my favorite books. Absolutely. The original OG of pro wrestling convention. That's this fair. is the guy. That's fair. That created... All the fucking morons we have to deal <laughs> with on a regular all those, basis. All those guys with the toy belts? I, I'm going to make uh, some... No, no it ain't them. No, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, no. guys with the toy it's belts. All these, it? It's all the guys that want to be this guy. Oh, well, that's a whole... Right? Oh, and they try to God. act like this guy. Well, this guy will be back after this commercial break along with UWF, WWE, and a surprise guest, Mr. Sonny Beach, right after this. See you in a sec. 
Tag America, representing the very best of American ingenuity, craft work, and creative arts. Handcrafted wood flags, yard signs, nine-line apparel, artisan candles, and outdoor garden accessories. Custom commissioned murals, portraits, and signed by artist owners and residents. Grand opening May 23rd. Wrestling superstar and former world champion and Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, will be there from 12 to 4 for limited edition print signing. Free line dancing classes 1 to 4. Rain date for line dancing June 6th. Raffle prizes where 100% of proceeds will go to Tunnel to Towers Foundation and 10% of net proceeds of in-store sales as well. Military, police, firefighters, healthcare workers, we want your signatures on our wall of honor. Easy to find, fun to browse. 14 East Broadway, Port Jeff, opposite the ferry, in the Lighthouse Landing Shops, two doors from Echo Lynn Jewelers. Come visit us at 14 East Broadway, Port Jeff, or call 631-741-2344. Because made in America matters. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, produced out of Indie Music TV here in Long Island, New York. I want to thank our guests, Mr. John Arezzi, author, Mr. Sonny Beach, pro wrestling superstar. Thank you guys for coming in and joining Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. It's my pleasure. Great to be here, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Great to be sitting next to this guy, too. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, well, you know, absolutely. Um, back a lot of years. A lot you know, of years. Brother. I don't want to forget to recognize the birthday of both Macho Man Randy Savage oh, and Randy. Andre the Giant. That's right, 75 Andre would have been. Yeah, John, wow. do, you have any, do you have any stories of meeting Andre? Could yes. You, could you share with the fans out there? Yeah, uh, Andre, um, I knew Andre... Uh, took a lot of pictures of him, uh, but uh, I met him really for the first time in 74. And uh, he was in Los Angeles, and I was out there at the Olympic Auditorium for the Battle Royal and got to meet him out there. But um, uh, one night, uh, there was a little bar. Andre started working at the Garden. There was a bar where every, all the boys hung out. It was called the Savoy. It was across the street from the Edison Hotel on 46th Street. And after the show, everyone would go there. Andre, when he was on the card, he'd go in, and I hung out with George Napolitano all the time. George knew Andre really well, and uh, one night, the bar was really packed, so George is like, come on, let's go, we'll go across the street. So Andre, myself, George Napolitano, Mr. Fuji, and Professor Tanaka, we went across the street to another bar, and I just hang, hung out with them, drink, Andre drinking, uh, and it was just amazing just to be there. And I was 17 years old, I think, and sitting there with Andre the freaking giant. <laughs> uh, but th my claim to fame with Andre is that of all the archives that I shot as a kid, uh, I have the only known footage mm. of Andre the Giant's debut at Madison Square Garden mm. on March 23, 1973. I was at ringside, and I shot his match against Buddy Wolf. And it's the only known footage of it. Wow. And I have uh, Andre, three of Andre's first four matches at the Garden captured on 8mm film. Triple H just called. They want you for that. Well, I, I mean, I've been talking to them. I mean, they, you know, they love it They and all of this. And we're in discussions that that A&E thing. They're trying to license some of it. And uh, 
But I, I think that footage alone, I mean, it's just like, and I believe that was the very first time he was called Andre the Giant, because he was the giant Gene Fari. Yeah. And then Vince McMahon Sr. gave him the name Andre the Giant, and uh, he made his debut as Andre the Giant at the Garden that night. What is your original exposure to pro wrestling on television as a kid? Or? Yeah, it was in 1964. Uh, I was about seven. And my oldest sister, uh, who passed away several years ago, I mean, she was five years older than me. And um, I, I remember calling me into the living room because she was watching wrestling. And uh, the little guys, you know, you can't call can't say midgets anymore, right? Perfectly but, challenged. But the little, the, the little guys uh, were on TV. She goes, Johnny, come in here. These little men fighting each other. And one guy was biting the other guy on the ass. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and it was kind of like, what is this? Mm. You know? Mm. But that night, I remember, like it was yesterday, uh, there, was a, there was a match. Uh, Dr. Jerry Graham was there. And it was a tag team match. And I believe Smasher Sloan was as a partner or whatever, and it was against Tonio Pugliese, who was Bruno San Martino's cousin, and Bruno was supposed to be there too, but he wasn't there. Uh, so Pugliese's getting his butt kicked, and all of a sudden there's a roar from the crowd, and th this guy runs into the ring, and it's Bruno San Martino carrying suitcases. And he hits Graham over the head with it. The announcer was Ray Morgan. It was from Washington, D.C. And, and, and he had juice. It was blood. And, 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 and I remember that like it was yesterday. And, and, and Ray Morgan is like, well, Dr. Jerry Graham, looks like you need, a, you, know, you need a doctor yourself. He goes, I'm my own doctor. I don't need a doctor. But it was Bruno that captured me because I was t Italian. He was Italian. And I, I was hooked from the age of seven. 1964, they were showing color on television? Well, it was black and white, but it was I'm, like I'm it was not. It was actually showing blood on TV. And there was people. blood, yes. Very interesting. Yeah. What yeah. breaks you into the wrestling world? Uh, basically, I just uh, I just found a fascination with it. I loved it, and when I discovered the wrestling magazines back in 1967 in a newsstand, it was a cover. Bruno Bruno was on the cover, and and I started reading, and I and I found out there were other territories, there was other places that wrestling was going on other than the Northeast. Mm. And I really zoned in on Freddie Blassie because the first magazine I got was an article about by, that said written by Bruno San Martino, my three toughest opponents, and one of them was Freddie Blassie. Okay. And Freddie uh, kicked Bruno uh, low at Roosevelt Stadium and caused a riot. And I was just fascinated with the guy. So I started uh, reading up about him, and, and uh, I started a fan club for Fred in 1972 when I was about 14. Blassie's one of the first people to me that was actually... Uh getting wrestlers out there besides wrestling itself. Was he not on the Dick Van Dyke show, for God's sake? He was on the Dick Van Dyke show early on in the 60s, yeah. And he was a world champion. He held the WWA version, I believe, of the world championship. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the thing about Blassie is that he always came back from all these injuries. He lost a kidney. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was he, he had just all these crazy inju injuries, and, and he always came back. He had resilience, you know, but he, he became like a hero to me back then. And I, I found it fascinating that he was a bad guy on the East Coast, and he was a good guy out in L.A. Which is amazing. Wow. Almost Johnny Rods is, though, right? Because, well, no, Rods is a bad guy in both. Rods was right? a yeah, bad ja, guy. Yeah, Ronnie, Java uh, I think he, yeah, Java Week, right? In Los Java Angeles. Rude. Rods yeah. got a big yeah. push so, out west on, like, up here. For the, oh, yeah. for the younger wrestling fans, John Arezzi has a book called Matt Memories. If you're a true wrestling fan, you have to get this book. John, like I said in the intro, is an original OG. This is the guy that you know, almost like he lit the spark on so many parts of the industries. 
many good, many bad. Uh, we'll get into both. John, where can we get your book? Uh, it's everywhere. I mean, no matter where, wherever you get a book, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, it's uh, stocked at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, uh, anywhere you, you get a book. But if you want a, a signed copy of it, there's one place to get it, and that's th through me directly. So uh, all you got to do is go to mattmemories.com, click on a link that says buy the book, and then uh, you could buy a signed and numbered copy directly from me. So in reading your book, mm -hmm. right, I, I uh, you know who Corey Hart is? The singer? I always remember, you know, the song Never Surrender. Like, so when I was reading this book, because you've had such an elaborate career from so many different things, which we're going to cover. Um, but we've only been in this thing a short time, right? We met Mr. Sonny Beach a couple years ago, good friend of the show, big supporter. But I got to tell you, a lot of bullshit comes along <laughs> with this industry. How do, yeah. how do you deal yep, yep, with... Yep, yep, yep. You, you didn't just in the wrestling industry. You were a big-time mogul in the music industry also. How do you deal with the bullshit? Well, I mean, the only way you can deal with anything. I mean, you just try to look it square in the face and you try to deal with it. Uh, and I don't like drama in my life, so if somebody's, you know, I mean, the older I get, I don't like drama in my life. But years ago when I was in the business, I, I, I've been in the wrestling business three different times, and I leave it when I get disgusted with it. Uh, and I'm happy I'm in it now because I'm a historian now, so I don't have to deal with any, any bullshit. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have to deal with it no more. Uh, but back then, it's like it was very difficult because you don't know who's working you, and, and if you're trying to promote, you, it was just a, it was just an insane business. You know, there was hardly you could hardly trust people. You know, you keep your very your close friends very close to the heart, like this man right here. Good man. I mean, Good I've man. known him for thirty something years. He was always nothing but kind to me. We've done things together. I took him overseas for some shows I promoted there, uh, and Cactus Jack McFoley, another dear friend. Uh, and Sean Waltman, dear friend of mine. I mean, people, uh, those are the types of people you keep close to the vest. And the rest of them, you could tell, now I have a, I have an intuition if someone's working me or not. Mm. And, I, and I don't put up with anything. Mm. <laughs> but back then, uh, I, I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the confidence in a lot of ways to be able to tell somebody to go screw themselves if they're trying to screw me first. Well, because you were a fan at first, right? And then you I was found a fan. your way, and, yeah. and it gets hard to work work through that type of thing. You got wise to it. You want yeah. to believe the best in people, you know? And you, you want do. to give everybody a chance, but if it looks you like do. shit, smells like shit, it's usually shit. Right. You know? Right. So. And I got to thank a guy like George Napolitano, who mentored me. Great guy. As a young photographer, I was a, I had a, a press pass at 16. And him and Bill Apter, you know, those oh. were the guys that took me in Very under their wing. Then. Very fortunate to have those guys. I mean, but you know, they couldn't believe I was even at ringside. They're like, who, who are you, you know, <laughs> you George, who are you? <laughs> How'd you get here, kid? Uh, but that's another story. That's in the book on how I got that press pass. And that was kind of a, you talk about an elevator speech. I gave uh, Willie Gilsenberg, who I thought ran the WWWF, I gave him this elevator speech. I mean, uh, WW, they had an office in the Holland Hotel on 42nd Street where the wrestlers would pick their tickets up, the photographers would get their pre press passes. And I was like, I got to get a press pass. And... Willie Gilsenberg shuffles in. He's a little old man, and, he, and, the, and the office was on the second floor. So I get into the elevator with him, and I push floor 18. And as we're going up, I gave him this whole quick elevator speech. And by the time we got back down to the second floor, he said, come with me. Uh, brought me into the office, Monsoon, and Arnie Skolan were there. 
give this kid a press pass, and that was it. Wow. It's pretty smart picking floor 18. Gave you a little time. It was on purpose, yeah. There you go. There you go. Speaking of uh, BS in the business, uh, how did you ever forgive Vince Russo? (laughs) Um, You know, you get older, and you don't, um, and, well, you know, I can honestly say that um, my short partnership with Vince, and I, I brought him into the business, I was introduced to him by, uh, ironically, Jim Cornette's fan club president at the time, Andrew Goldberger from Port Jefferson here. Uh, and uh, Cornette disowned him afterwards? Well, Cornette just found out about it not too long ago. I brought it up on his podcast. I almost gave Jim a stroke when he found out that that kid introduced Russo to me, and I got him into business. Um, well, you so, must have loved that. Uh, it was pretty funny. But, uh, but how do you forgive somebody after all these years? I mean, Russo... Russo uh, was was probably the one person I actually sa- can say I hated. I I hated him because mm. of the 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 way we uh, formed a partnership. He went through me like shit through a goose, and he, he achieved what he wanted to achieve in the business. And he was very ambitious. Uh, and uh, he wrote a book. He said some nasty things about me. I think they were inaccurate. I let it go because I was out of wrestling. Well, and then I, he did a podcast. Well, you podcast. had a show that he basically leached into. Well, he right? came or, into well, the radio show. I mean, he came in as a advertiser at first. He had a, a video store called Will the Throw Video on the okay. Middle Country Road in Quorum. Okay. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I, I was introduced to him. I brought him on as an advertiser. And, uh, and then I booked a podcast. Uh, uh, a personal appearance for him with a uh, honky tonk man. So Blockbuster and, was housing his ass, and you didn't. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Blockbuster <laughs> was in, and yeah, and and uh, but basically he Sorry, he wanted to yeah. get into rest. He said he had a journalism degree, and he he wanted to uh, uh, do a newsletter with me because he knew I had a big fan base, okay. and he wanted to take the show, which was on WGBB on Long Island. He wanted to take it to a bigger station to reach a bigger audience, mm-hmm. and. Uh, at that time, and you you broker your time, you buy the time from the station. So WGBB would charge four hundred a week for two hours, mm. and then he cuts the deal to go to WEVD ten fifty a.m. fifty thousand watt powerhouse, Ooh. but that was about eleven hundred dollars a week. Holy cow! And he said he'd put the money up, but he really didn't have it. Uh, so how'd you pay for it? Well, he paid the freight in the beginning, and we were trying to get sponsors, and then you know, and then he saw wrestling as more entertainment. And I was knee deep covering the scandals at the time. The, that's the steroid scandals, mm-hmm. the trials, and that oh, we're was get right. To that next. It was it was June of it was right in the middle of the sex scandals, and we just didn't gel. We split up very publicly, and uh, you know what really brought me back into wrestling. Here's here's the ironic part of all of this, is that um, when he did a podcast called Truth with Consequences in November of 2018, he had said some things about me. On can that you, podcast, can you share what he said, though. Uh, uh, he was just saying I was a guy that lived with my mother. Uh, you know, also my mother. He, he was my mother sticky with the whole. He, thing. he was like saying how he got his start, and I was yeah. this guy and con guy, or whatever he was saying. And I and I heard it, and I was like, that's enough, because uh, he challenged anybody who ever had a problem with him to confront him. And after I heard that podcast, my nephew sent me the link, and he says, Uncle Vince Russo's uh, saying things about you, and. And I reached out to his producer, and I says, I want to talk to Vince. And we did, a, we did a thing on YouTube. And I said, I'll do this as long as it's not a sabotage, as long as we treat each other like gentlemen and we speak about our differences. That happened 20-something years ago, and we did. 
And he cried. I mean, he I, I made him cry. I what, mean, he literally cried? Yeah. He's an emotional guy, that Vinny. Well, I mean, because I said you're the only person I really ever despi- hated and despised, and I don't use that word lightly. Good. But I forgave, I forgave him. And, and there were things about him that I maybe not acknowledged. I didn't know he was going through a lot of financial issues at the time, and he didn't know what was going on with me. But he wanted to go in a direction of entertainment, and I wanted to cover it as well, journalist. Wait, wait a minute, though. I don't know if not having any money gives you the right to take advantage of someone and use them to the best of their ability. You know, I'm going to say it again. If I knew you back then, that shit would have never happened. It would have <laughs> never exactly. happened. Were you yeah, guys well, in Russo so would you, still be picking up the fucking you garbage get, you on get, the street right You get now. smartened up after a period of time, and that's one of the reasons I left wrestling, too, because I just couldn't. There was a lot of things going on. Yeah. But, I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, and I could look at it, and, and today, it's, 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 I know a lot. he's very polarizing. You hate him, you love him, or whatever. But I don't have any hate in my heart for Vince Russo anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he's changed personally. All I know is that we talked this thing out. I went to Colorado for the holidays to visit my family. I got together with him, with my nephew, and we have an amicable relationship today. Because I don't want to be enemies with anybody. That that's fair. But that's it. I mean, it's not like I. I will not. You know, I, I won't do business with him. You know. I, I, he he said he could help me or whatever it is. and and and, and I, I just let him live his life. I have an amicable relationship with him. I don't hate him. I don't hate anybody in my life. Were things cleared up after you had that podcast with him, where he cried? Was it good after? Yeah, it was that? good. It's been good since then. Oh, okay. Wait a minute, hold on. Well, you don't you don't hate that guy, Doctor Mike, the oh, vice president? Of no, your I don't hate Doctor Mike. Mike is a Mike is a, a peculiar guy. He's always been a peculiar guy. I've had my history with Mike Leno, and I brought him into wrestling in '73. I mean, fraud. he was a, a pen pal. Fraud. Hold so on, you, another you fraud. This list is starting to get... <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, you know, I, I'm responsible for a lot you of things. a lot of frauds out there, pal. <laughs> a lot of frauds. Well, the main oh, thing, the, the wrestling, wrestling conventions and the, the, the talk shows, I mean, that's where really John really made his mark, you know, especially I, on I, Long Island. But I brought in some interesting characters in you the You brought business, in some great right? characters. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Jay Butler out there says, Rip Paul Mooney. He's exactly right. I didn't forget Paul Mooney. He passed away. Great comedian. Oh, yeah. my God. Wow. And uh, another guy with a great career. Absolutely. So, John, my first experience with you was, uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Okay. And then, you know, then you appeared on Dark Side of the Ring, that UWF uh, version of it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, that's uh, John Arezzi. But the one thing I remember was you on the Donahue show. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, Lee Colin, yeah. the brother of Tom Cole, on the show. Recently? Uh, yeah. Earlier this year. Okay. A few months Really back. nice guy. Yeah. But I, I have to ask you, what did you really know about the, you know, the Ring Boy scandal? What did I really know about it? Yeah. I knew Mel Phillips. Okay. I knew Mel Phillips since I was a kid, 16, 17, and developed a friendship with Mel at the time. And uh, he, was, uh, he was odd, you know. Uh, did he try know. anything on you? No. If he did, he, he wouldn't be here well, today. Well, well he's not. not here today anyway. He passed away. But, right. but, I mean, what happened with Mel? Mel was in the business. He, was, uh, he worked for the State Athletic Commission of Pennsylvania. He was backstage. Bless, he, bless, you, bless you. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and basically, he, he, um, he was a kind of a, as I got to know him more, it, it, I, I, I sensed something about him. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I didn't like what I sensed about him because he was always fascinated with young guys mm. at the time. So, uh, and, and Mel spent some time at my house on Long Island. You know, I was a teenager or whatever, and uh, he spent some time with me, and, and, uh, and I'd go to Philadelphia, and he was uh, in the backstage area, and, you know, uh, he, one night, I guess, he, uh, we drove with Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody to uh, TV tapings, and then he had a, uh, there was a hotel, and there was a called the George Washington Inn, and, 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 uh, and uh, he wanted to share a room, and I, I wouldn't do it. But he never tried anything on me. But what? But the thing was, is like, there were allegations about him, and people knew that there was something going on with him and younger guys, and it was and and it was not, it was not taken care of well before the '90s. But scandal. I, I want to make something clear out of Tom's own mouth. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, actually, not Tom. Out of Lee's mouth. Yeah. I apologize. Tom was of age. Mel approached him for a sexual advance. Tom turned it down, went and slept in a van, and he was terminated a, a day later, a week later. I, I, the time what do you mean? Tom was terminated? Yes. He was terminated from whatever position he was doing at the ring. Right? He was, was working least, in the warehouse, was right? Least, he was working story. in their warehouse, right? Yeah. So here, here's my problem with the Ring Boy scandal thing. Yes. Uh, Mel could have been off, weird, different, but he didn't sexual like he didn't take it like he. From the stories I'm told, he didn't do anything, like he didn't rape anybody. I mean, since when is it illegal to ask someone like, "Hey, John, I like you. Would you like to have a drink? Let's go on a date." I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? You know, and Tom was a you know. Let, uh, let me right? tell you something. Uh. One used to hang out with me on the island. There were, there, and I'm not even getting. There were, there were some kids who were in the neighborhood right. that he was fascinated with, like young kids. Yes. Okay. Understood. Like, like under ten, <laughs> ten, thirteen, or whatever they were. Right. And every time he even see me, how are the? And he'd mention their last name. How are those boys doing? You know. And and he would come. He visited me at college a couple of times, and, and one of my best friends. I mean, uh, you know, all of a sudden. You know, Mel would be like wrestling him and putting him in a head, a toe lock and shit like that. I mean, it was just kind of weird. So that's okay. So that's a different situation. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, don't know that. You know, part I, 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 I think, and I knew, and, and the, the reason I started backing away from Mel back in those days too was like every time I seen him, he was a bit a bunch of young kids. Mm. Always, always with 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 like these um, kids from broken homes and. You know, so if anyone, I, I'll go to. Uh, I, I am positive in my in my in my deepest of souls that he, that there was something amiss to with him. To drill home a point that Mike always brings up that I do think is fair when it comes to Mel Phillips. Where the heck was Bruno? Where the heck was Macho? Where the heck was wait, Hogan? Wait, when wait, all wait, this wait, stuff wait, wait, is going on? on, why did they say something? That, wait, wait, that's a great point. So I why watch did you, someone say something? But they did. I watch you. But I, they hold on. did. I watch you they on. They did? I watch, yeah, I watch, they I watch did. You, I watch you on Donahue. Yeah. I watch you with Meltzer, I think, is on there, right? Yeah, Dave is on okay. there, too. Oy, Meltzer. You guys, you guys go real. First of all, I want to make something clear. Farrow and I are very, very big fans of Vince McMahon scene. Here we go. We are. You guys came hard at him. 
Not you so oh, junior much. Junior or senior, you're junior. saying? Junior. 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 Actually, I'm My whole both. point, and I said it, I said it to Lee, senior the exact same thing. Back to his point. Bruno said something while he was leaving. Right. Superstar Graham said something while they were leaving. Right, after the You fact. know what you just said? You said you saw Mel Phillips looking at young children, and you were done with them. Right. Superstar Billy Graham and Bruno San Martino knew something was going on, and Bruno had a lot of clout. Why didn't he do something? Why is Vince McMahon the culprit in this whole thing? I'm not saying he's the culprit. I'm not saying he's the culprit. Whatever happened, but the thing is, if you turn a blind eye to something, mm. if, you're running, if you're running a corporation and there are things that are suspicious underneath, mm-hmm. you are responsible to make it right. Exactly, just like a security guard company, you got to hold people accountable for their actions. Didn't a guy like this, and, didn't and, a guy and you like put somebody Mon- out there? This is why I'm smart, though, because I knew you were going to say that, Sonny. So here's the deal: you've got guards that work for you. Exactly. If they see something wrong, they're coming to you as the boss, right? Hundred percent. They're going to let Again, me know right away. What's Sam Martino going on. was on Donahue. Sam Martino was on Larry King, and he didn't do anything to go until f- he left. To go further, Gorilla Monsoon, who always had a lot invested in the company and was yeah. Vince's right-hand man, he's cracking jokes about Mel live during matches. He knew. How could Gorilla not do something? Well, it was more. Was something. it Mel, or was it Mel, or was it uh, the other guys? It was. It was definitely aimed towards that whole group. Uh, well, well the, that's the thing. That's what makes it really. Uh, that's what makes it really. Uh, uh, how can I phrase it? It was covered up. It was, it was, ena- they were enabled, whatever. I right. mean, there was nothing, right. there was no... Right. I was there in 88 when, when all that stuff was going on. Okay. And I saw all the ring boys and Mel Phillips. And did he tell you you no. looked mighty cute in them jeans? I mean... No, he wouldn't you... say that to me. I there we go. Crack him up. So you saw it going on? I saw some of the stuff going on. So okay. I'll ask you, sir. 100%. Why didn't you do something? I didn't know. I was a new guy on the block there. I didn't know what was going so on. I didn't did know Tim the pecking order. I didn't know the ring boys, the ring crew, the people selling the merchandise. They were all, you know, together, riding around from town to town, setting up the rings. I didn't know that stuff. Right. Grill Monsoon, son, Joey, you know. Joey, yeah. Uh, he, he was with the ring crew, too, a lot of times, you know, and riding around with the guys, too. But, you know, I know he wasn't like that at all. But, you know, mm. some of the stuff, you know, people say, watch out for this guy. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't say nothing. But then they would tell you, you know, just, you know, you make your own assumption, you know. And, and you, you could tell when somebody's, you know. I, I got to right. laugh. John's like, oh, I'm coming in for another friendly <laughs> hey, interview. Hey, I don't care what you ask me. I'm just going to tell you what I think hey, and how I, I feel. Hey, That's good. If I love you it. read the book, it doesn't matter what way you slug this guy. He's going to get back up. Read this book. <laughs> fire away, man. Read fire this. away. No, I, I listen. Can I, can I fire away? But fire super, away. Super, my man, superstar Billy Graham. Who, yep. Listen, and I know you'll appreciate this. We grew up watching him. He was one of the first early guys that we were very enamored with. He was amazing during his time. What the hell has he turned into? He's completely insane now. The Sad. things he said, he, he's, he's a flat-out liar half the time. He's very bitter. I, I mean, what very, about very his deal bitter. with exposing steroids? Then he said years later he lied about that. Then years later he's taking Vince's Hall of Fame induction. Then the next day he's selling the ring and calling Vince a piece of shit again. What's up with Superstar Graham, according to you, John? Well, I wish I could, have, I could be in his head. I knew Billy Graham in the 70s. I, I, I was in the car with Billy and George Napolitano when we took him to get his New York State Athletic Commission license the mm-hmm. night he made his debut at Madison Square Garden. Okay. I've had dinner with Billy Graham. Okay. I covered the trial that Billy Graham was a part of. Billy Graham was on my Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show. It was in March of uh, 1990, and that's when he uh, spent an hour talking about what steroids did to him. Mm. And that's what kind of set me off. Once I found out what was going on, and he was saying that 90, 90 
percent plus of the guys were on it and this mm -hmm. is what happened to somebody who's been on it for years mm -hmm. so uh but what happened to billy he played back and forth right he hated mcmahon he loves mcmahon he hated mcmahon this and that i mean only billy can answer that mm -hmm. i mean billy probably didn't save his money uh, Billy uh, always was looking for an angle later on in his life. Knowing him all those years, he ago, was a trendsetter. He was the he was the father of the steroid era in well, pro wrestling. By the way, I want to tell the fans that that interview you had with Billy Graham actually started the ball rolling, which almost destroyed the life of Vince McMahon Jr. Correct? Um, I don't know for a fact of any of that. All I know is that uh, when Billy did that show. Uh, and there was so much that came out about it. the newsletters all transcribed it, wrote about it. Uh, there might have been a federal investigation on, on, on with Saraharian at that time. Who knows what was going on? But um, the coverage that I did during that time period uh, was making light and bringing to light things that were going on. I didn't like personally. And, I, I, you know, this is just as a fan back then. I liked the era of Bruno, and I liked the era of the Gorilla Monsoons and the Blassies and the Pedro Moraleses and all of those guys. I left wrestling. I come back, and everyone is like, you know, it, it's like cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. and, and then when Billy came on my show and, and spoke about that, there, there was an issue there. I mean, uh, and it was just like, why? And it's thing with steroids it's proven to be bad for you. I mean, it, it can it can mess you up. But, um, you know, I'm not a lawmaker or anything, but I just saw what was happening with to the business. And guys that were getting the monster pushes like Ultimate Warrior and Warlord and all these guys were... Were, it was based on muscularity in a lot of a lot of it. So way to go, John. So now I realize that you brought these <laughs> wackadoos into this, and now by you making a statement, now we have wrestlers like Orange Cassidy. No, we Look don't. at that. Congratulations. No, now don't. no one does stunt. No, Marco stunt. Now we got Art and Marco stunt. Way oh to go, John. Way to go, You are the creator of all of the, no, the creator yeah. of all no, wrestling. Yeah, I've, I've, I've destroyed the whole business. <laughs> this is terrible. Me personally. You know what I don't get, though? You can't tell me that Vince Sr. was making Superstar Grab take roids. There's no way. I'm not believing Vince Sr.? Yeah, Sr. When he was champion. No, I don't think that. I don't think yeah. that anyone was you saying, you better take steroids. Right, right. But when you point the finger, not you, but when they put the gun to your head. Vince McMahon, like, you're the guy that's your fault now. You pay but you go back to But you go back to what we were talking about. I mean, if you're running a multi-million dollar company, you're supposed to be the person who is in charge. You're in charge. You're the captain. You're responsible. And you, you're set, you but, set the policy. But you have your tier of people that help you along the way. And if these people don't do their job, it's going to cause you Vince an issue. McMahon, Vince McMahon really, he knows everything that's going on. That Today... 20 years ago, 30 that. years ago, when he mm -hmm. took the business over from his father in 84, he's a genius. He's a marketing genius. He changed pro wrestling forever. Mm -hmm. He's a billionaire, and he's only to get richer when the WWE is eventually sold to 
whenever it gets do sold. Do you see that happening? Do you see him I selling? I do. 100%. Absolutely. Boy, that's depressing. What do you think the wrestling world will be like when the McMahons are no longer involved? You'll be going to Orlando, right, to go to a, a, a theme park and a, a museum and a Hall of Fame. Oh, no. So that's oh. why that's why pro wrestling is dying oh. a very slow and coming back. Well, yeah, but this is what it is. You're going to put Mickey Mouse into the Hall of Fame? All right, I we'll be right back I after can't. this commercial break <laughs> with what the? UWF superstar Sonny Beach and the man of many hats. Many hats. I'm a yeah. schizophrenic. John Rezzi. Say it straight. We'll be oh, right back. Kitties. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? <laughs> well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh, only seen here out of indie music TV with our special guest, Mr. Sonny Beach and author of Matt Memories, John Arezzi. Well, John has done many, many very important things in this business. We wouldn't have the conventions we have today without his presence and his originality and his original thinking. We wouldn't probably have all these YouTube podcasts and all these other things today if it wasn't for some of the ideas he placed into motion many years ago. So he's done plenty of great things, but you've also had some very interesting relationships over the years. How about telling us a little bit about the Grand Wizard? Ernie Roth, yeah, great guy. Oh yeah, where'd that all start with Ernie? I mean, uh, he's a legend. basically a photographer and uh, got to know Ernie, and uh, he was one of the guys, uh, handful that you know you 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 basically that really wants a mentor and help, you know. And he was also a promoter in the New England area, uh, so I got to know Ernie through like like I always do with George Napolitano, hanging out with George, and yeah. he would introduce me around. And Ernie was a uh, a great guy, you know. Uh, he was the guy that I called when I said I wanted to enter the ring. And he's the one that set me up to do those TV tapings. He thought it was crazy, but he set me up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so he was he was just an amazing guy. Brilliant, creative, what a mouthpiece on the promos. And, he was a very uh, tiny man in real life, right? He was he, a tiny was guy, so yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. How did it affect you when he passed away? Um, I had been removed from the wrestling business, and I found out about it. It saddened me, of course, you know. And um, but he was, uh, you know, he was he was something else. He was a good guy, good who man. Was, who was your best friend in the wrestling business? It sounds like it's George, but I mean, well, as far as uh, outside of the, you know, outside of the boys, you know, uh, George Apolitano and I rode up and down the highway for a long time. He mentored me, like I said, he was a, a dear friend. 
uh, Don Liable. I mean, Donnie Liable was uh, to this day. He's one of my dearest, dearest friends. I mean, he was there with me at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. He did the news capsule every week for years. He uh, helped me with my conventions. Uh, he went overseas uh, to Venezuela with me. And you were on that trip as well. That was another yeah, that funny, was that's a funny trip well. there, that too. But Donnie, Donnie was, uh, was uh, and to this day, he's still helping me and working with me and writing stories for my new website and all of that. You're probably one of the most gutsiest men I've ever met. Oh, really? Legitimately. <laughs> it um, takes a lot of chances. Yeah, you I know, love it. All, all the, the dice. It's great. Yeah. What yeah. kind of pressure? So so the fans understand, right? You did a lot of promoting. Yeah. You know, I want you to talk about the Venezuela stuff. But putting that kind of money up and believing in whatever your product... I mean, th did you, like, not sleep for, like, 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> So There's a lot of pressure when you promote, believe me. Yeah. Well, you know, you've been there. Yeah. You've been there as a promoter. It's tough. Um, I just always found in my life, uh, since I was a young kid, that I wanted to do different things. And I and the thing about me, I, I just, from whatever it is inside of me, I mean, I was never afraid to take a chance on anything. I was never afraid to blow the house up and start again if something didn't work. Uh, I got my ass kicked several times financially and in uh, some of the things that I did uh, but life is a life is a journey it's a it's a, a roller coaster and what I learned from wrestling it smartened me up in, in many different ways and it made me excel when I left wrestling and got into uh, radio advertising and country music marketing uh, because I knew how to handle people, and mm. I could sense when someone was bullshit. Yeah. yeah, in a way. But but the thing is, one and the other thing about wrestling, and and the reason I excelled as much as I did in Nashville, I really feel that uh, the wrestling business, uh, towards the latter part of that run in the '90s, I didn't like who had become, and uh, and and when I left it, when I got out of it, and that was it, I basically. I got. I, w I was given an opportunity to to work at a radio station here on the island, and I said, uh, really, from this day forward, I am going to change the way I do business as an individual and as a person and as a man. I will always underpromise and overdeliver to people. I will never take advantage of anyone, uh, and I changed that about myself. And my life got better every year since then. Because if you do the right thing by people, karma is very important in life. Yeah. And uh, there are some people that can travel through the life's journey and take advantage of people every step of the way. And some of them can sleep at night, some of them can't. All I know is every night when I go to bed, I can go to sleep because I know I'm doing the right thing with people that I do business with. It just made me a tough, tougher individual and perceptive. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't do anything I don't enjoy. So if something... Something I'm doing is not giving me pleasure and joy to do anymore. I'm getting out. I'm going to find something else that I like. And the reason getting back into wrestling has been so uh, good right now, and I'm enjoying it because I'm a freaking historian now. Right. And so I could, I could capture that, try to bring that history out to people. Uh, and, and that's just sure. kind of it. But if I get sick of wrestling in a year from now or two years from now, then I'm freaking gone again. Let's go, Mets. I know. So I know. <laughs> I know the answer. But 
let's just play a little game. Uh, we're going to go into DeLorean. If you could go back in time Ooh, and Ooh. been go back when you were with Russo, and if you maybe would have been a little different, maybe you could have been the Vince Russo that ended up working for the WWE. Did you ever think about that? And did you ever go, I wish maybe I would have done that? I, I, I always, uh, back then... I would have loved to have been a part of uh, WWF, you know, if there was a role for me as an announcer or something like that, mm. as well as WCW. But I was almost fucking 400 pounds at the time, too. Who's going to hire me? I mean, that, I wasn't, that wasn't in the cards back then. Mm. Were you shocked at the level of success Vince Russo had? I mean, uh, to I me, was, it was like really, a I was really, I, mean. um, I was quite surprised I was quite surprised at the beginning. Did it anger you when it happened? I mean, what, this a, what am I going to do? I, I mean, see when Vince Russo really came into prominence. I was doing. I started doing really good. Okay. Financially, okay. that makes it easier. I, you know, I, I uh, was the salesman of the year for this job that I took here at W. Uh, it's still on the air, ninety-four point three. It was a country station then, and then I got hired away by New York City country station. Became director of music marketing. Traveled to Nashville. Started doing deals with guys like uh, Scott Borchetta, who you know was was working for a label that work with Toby Keith, I get hired away to go to Nashville, and so I was doing great, and I became a fan again of wrestling based on what I saw with the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era, and I saw friends of mine that I had overseas with me, like, uh, like you know, Rey Mysterio getting over, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack exploding huge, these were friends of mine, so it was great, and, and Russo, the more I found out about what he did, I mean, it was like, well, shoot. I mean, he he was instrumental yeah. in doing some great things, and yep. he was instrumental in doing some really sure. fucked up things yep. creatively. Yep. yep. Talk about your relationship with Herb Abrams. Oh. Like, so now you go from one end to <laughs> one the other. To another, huh? How do you guys, like, you know, is it, isn't your bullshit radar up, like, Sonny's right then and there, or Herb. what's going on? I'll, I'll start, and then I'll let him take over. Because... <laughs> Because I did the very first wrestling convention uh, that I promoted was in 1990, and uh, Herb, through George M. Acropolis, a, a mutual dear friend she of both of us. She had a wrestling chatterbox uh, newsletter. Newsletter, very big out here. She introduced me to Herb and said Herb is starting this promotion, and Bruno endorsed him, which to me was right. That was it. That's so I needed to hear. Approval. Mm. And he uh, came to my convention and did a launch of the UWF at my at my convention. And it turned very into famous a famous moment. This was your convention. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, and he did yeah. Dance by Me and Be yeah. Brian Blair, and and you know the the big battle and all of that. And mm. and that's where he met uh, you know guys like Mick Foley and he, he the Power Twins and 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 Rick. Uh, and you could take it from here because George Ann wanted you to meet him anyway, but. You guys hooked up at the convention, and then you started Yeah, he was calling me from California, and we talked for hours at a time, you know. Oh, I want to do this with you. I want to do that with you. Uh, you, Mick Foley. Uh, there's two Jewish boys, the Power Twins, out here on Long Island I want to get. They're, they're twins. He goes, help me get some guys, some talent. Help me book some shows in New York. So we went to the Pennsylvania Hotel, and we started doing uh, – I got him in with the Pennsylvania Hotel, and we started doing some uh, TV tapings out of the Pennsylvania for Sports Channel America. He came to New York, signed a big deal with Sports channel america and uh he got all the major talent everybody wanted to work for him i mean he was throwing money around like it was candy and i didn't know where the money came from at first you know and i didn't know that you know he he got a couple of sponsors and sports channel gave him over a million dollars to film you know uh 13 weeks of, of shows and stuff Brilliant. Brilliant. so he started getting a bunch of guys bruno you know uh 
you know, was the commissioner at the time. He got Craig DeGeorge to do the play-by-play with Bruno on TV. Little Captain so Lou. It was Captain Lou. He had Andre Captain the Lou. Giant with us. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he had some big, big yeah. name. Paul Orndorff, Don Morocco, mm. Bob Orton Jr. <laughs> I mean, he had John Tullis. And, I mean, it was like Ivan Koloff. He, the, the list goes on and yeah. on, the, the talent that he had. And if he would have, you know, really budgeted his money and he did it the right way, he could have really made a big, big, huge impact on the wrestling business. You worked in the office with him, correct? I mean, you were I, I literally in the, in the office, office with him at, like every day. And, and yeah, and I, I what saw was him. that like? You Did didn't he know, really show up naked half the time, covered in white he, stuff? He wasn't I mean, naked and with white stuff all over him. Once in a while, he'd go out and he'd go on binges. Once you know, in a while. And, well, you know, he did. He did do it around the office all the time. That one right. night when you know okay. he, he died, he did it there. Oh, and maybe when we weren't in the office after work, maybe he right. did it. You know, but he he wouldn't do that around me because I didn't I didn't partake in any drugs or anything like that. So I, I'm a family man. And I, I wasn't right. really involved in that. And he knew that. Yeah. So he respected me enough not to do that. That's probably why he had you in the office. Probably. Probably. I mean, we, we would get work done when I was in He's office. Delegating. I mean, yeah. We were trying to book some overseas <laughs> tours. You know, at the time of his death, and uh, mm. you know, he's trying to get up. You know find more money and try to syndicate shows overseas. So, I mean, John will tell you. I mean, we, we did shows for him at Plain Edge High School. Me, Mick Foley, uh, Bob Orton Jr., um, Paul Orndorff. I mean, it was like a WWF, you know, card there. Yeah. You know, Lanny Poffa was there, nice. Boris Zukov, nice. the Conquistadors, the Power Twins, Tony Atlas. I mean, Crazy. we had Barry Horowitz. I mean, it was a great, great show from top to bottom. Iron Mike Sharp. So, I mean... Um, it was, it was great times back then, and back then we had creativity where we could do our own promos, we could do our own matches, we could, you know, have our own angles, and, you know, anything went with her. I mean, you were free to do anything. Like, Mick Foley, uh, we talked about it a few times recently, is, you know, that that's, that's where, you know, we really, like, soiled our oats, you know, like, with each other in the ring and got to do our battles and got to get extreme and the hardcore. And, yeah, had you know. creative control, and that's what Mick brings up all the time, like you're saying. The creative control that Herb gave. Mick, with the Cactus Jack character, he really came into his own in a lot of ways, promo-wise, um, and also uh, what he was doing inside the ring. with Because uh, Herb with, would let us work, and yeah. we could do our own thing. And, you know, we didn't have to answer to a lot of people, you know, the booking committee or the creative control or the writers and all that stuff. Ooh. I mean, back then we could do our own thing, and uh, as long as we had good matches, that's all they really cared about. Incredible. But he was a bit of a nut, too, though. He was very eccentric. I mean, he was hilarious. He was a jokester. He was a, he was a good guy to hang out with, you know, with joking or going out to dinner. He would tell a ton of jokes. He'd make you laugh. He always wanted to make people laugh. He was a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Was he more impulsive than brilliant? Because I don't know if brilliant is really I think he was a little of each. He was eccentric. Eccentric, like, impulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh-huh. was definitely. He didn't eccentric. like lipstick. He didn't like perfume. <laughs> no. If women would come too close to with him with lipstick, he would freak out. He would have to have his own little individual packets of ketchup. Or What's with these crazy promoters? You can't sneeze in front of Vince to smoke a cigarette. Oh, that's crazy. These, these guys are weird. They have weird rules. Yes. Yeah, you know, they hey. make it up as they go usually. But Vince McMahon, I could say one thing. He is probably the hardest working man in, in business. That I've heard. He he uh, he doesn't sleep. Um, he, I've he's heard. got total control of every aspect of. The, the program and all the talent and all their gimmicks and mm. everything else, the angles. Mm. He, he's involved in everything, and I, I respect him for that. And he's put his time in a lot of hours, a lot of you know time away from home, family. Right. Uh, this guy doesn't rest. He doesn't go on vacations. He doesn't do anything. He just works hard, and and you know his work ethic paid off for him and his family sure all throughout the years. Sure. Uh, with that, we'll be right back after this commercial break with Sunny Beach. 
and John Arezzi. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No, I mean I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. Elm Logistics, for all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics, pride, performance, and partnerships. And Nitro's Garage, for all your automotive needs, call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV, here out of Long Island. On the couches, UWF and WWE superstar Sonny Beach, and for this present case, author of Matt Memories, John Arezzi. Um, John, we were uh, fortunate enough to uh, be able to dine with you in a very nice restaurant. Thank you, Sonny. Uh, <laughs> down in uh, our lovely Northport. Um, and we did get to meet your nephew, who you've mentioned in your book in, in great detail. Can you tell? I us dedicated the book to him. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us about your nephew, Dominic? Dominic, uh, Dominic is the light of my life. I mean, uh, since the age uh, I never had children, unfortunately. I mean, I. Uh, but Dom- some of the Philippines, though. I may have. You already run. Buy some of the Philippines. I don't possibly. Know. <laughs> yes, little big pork barbecue. Little big pork. Uh, barbecue. Little big go. pork barbecue. There you little go. Big pork barbecue. Uh, but my nephew Dominic is uh, just. Um, he calls me Uncle Genie because I granted wishes. You know. Oh. Okay. Uh, and I uh, spoiled him, but he's a brilliant kid. He uh, is going for his master's degree now. Uh, he works uh, very hard. He's a responsible, respectful young man, and. Uh, We've uh, had a lot of adventures together from our uh, travels, um, seeing the New York Mets. Mm. We go to spring training every year mm. in Port St. Lucie. That's our sabbatical. And uh, he is a fine young man, and he's going to do great things in his life. Amen. And uh, I'm very, very proud of him. Very proud of him. And, you, and you, you, know, you can see the special relationship you have with him. And what, yeah. A, yeah, what an a, outstanding a, young man. It's a bomb. Sure. Nice I mean, it really is. Nice Family's everything. Yes. Know? Family's everything. So for the fans out there, they you know John's been around. He's he's got so many great things. What a library of stuff! Like videos he was showing us. Um, what is your most cherished treasure? Uh, of of the archives, I really have to say it's that Andre the Giant that's match. Uh, that's I huge. mean that's kind of the jewel of my archives, I think. But it's hard to choose. I mean I have ten thousand pictures. I have videos. I have films from back in the day. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there's not, you know, the Andre thing is just because it's so rare and no one has any footage of that match except for me. I mean, WWE it. salivating for that because I can't see how they would not salivate. Um, to, I mean, I think that, that I think it has a value to it. And uh, like I said, I had a few discussions with them over the past few years. And they're playing, they're playing hardball. I, I think they're going uh, to come for that thing. They Trust will. They, I believe that. My yeah. treasure, I want to show, I want to have the pleasure to show the fans out there yeah. your wrestling match <laughs> with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. This is Mike's the one favorite all-time match. He called me earlier today. It, it I love this match. Favorite. Yes. His favorite all-time so match. And he's replaced Morocco. The Pharaoh. 
Darrow is going to run some play-by-play. I am. Yeah. I can't and see. I'm step out. Dusty Rose was one of my favorite I'm wrestlers. Play Are you going to be able to run it? To see him and John. At All right, so it's be no, a 30 second play by play. So keep talking to them, and it's going to come on, and then you keep guys can talk about the match. Them. All right. Well, I'll guys, why is water wet? Keep talking to them? Where are you going? Oh, it's going right off the rails. Hi, Vazmir. Uh, Sonny, how about you with the BS level in the business? Does, did, did, you know, John is. Uh, by the way, I agree with you, John. There's things about this business that will absolutely break your heart, burn you out, make you question your own sanity. I've gone through a little bit of it myself. How about you, Sonny? Did you, you have know, to go through when, anything? When I like came this? into the business, I was a big fan. You know, I was a big mark. I, I, I love Dusty Rhodes. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, so the Florida territory was huge for me growing up. I grew right out of cartoons, right in Saturday morning, right into wrestling. And uh, with Dusty Rhodes and uh, the Briscoe brothers, Mike Graham, Steve Kern, um, you know, it was like awesome time to be around. I saw Andre the Giant when I was probably 1977, 78, Jacksonville Coliseum. I was an all by a size. Harley Race used to come in and defend the belt against Dusty or Briscoe's or whoever it might be. And uh, they'd have super cards down there all the time. So I was in love with the business, you know, throughout, you know, probably fifth grade all the way up to my adult life when I got in the business. And Dusty Rose was probably one of the main reasons I got into the business because I was so entertained by him. And, and there he, you know, there he is. I'm looking years. at Dusty on the screen right now. John, how on earth did you get yourself into the wrestling ring? As we, Dusty's approaching the ring. We got the legendary Gary Michael Capetta on the announcing here. Dusty's How did you get in the ring with Dusty Rose? How'd that happen? Uh, like I've done, I kind of bullshitted my way in the ring, really. <laughs> I wanted to give it a shot. I've been covering wrestling. I ran for Blasters Fan Club. I was a photographer, a writer. I ran a little talk show in Boston on College Station. And I said, I wonder what it would be like to get in the ring. So I was able to navigate that and uh, tell everybody I knew what I was doing when I did not know what I was doing because I had no training. But I did it, and now I could look back at it and laugh. And you didn't get injured? I got injured because uh, Dusty uh, got very stiff with me with the elbows because I didn't know what I was doing. When I got him in the corner, I started hitting him on top of the head, which is kind of a no-no, and stiffed him with a little bit of a knee. And then he uh, whispered to me as he had, held me by my hair, and he basically said, i got to teach you a lesson. And uh, the bionic elbows on top of my head, were they, they riveted me. They, they just sent this, I, I mean, I didn't know where I was. Unbelievable. Now, we're watching this right now, and I'm not much of a play-by-play guy, but it looks like you're uh, double-teaming the American dream. Yeah, now I get him in the corner, if you look at that. And then when you see when I run after him to attack him, that's when he grabs me by the hair, and he shakes his finger, and that's it. Here we go. It's the bionic elbow. Put some hot times on John Rizzo's head. But he was, you know, I Hate could it. say I wrestled. Is, uh, you could say you wrestled the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. You could say you were. I never worked Dusty, so you got. Oh, the two of you just me. met mine. There we go. There we go. You take aspirin after that shot. Hey. Well, I didn't even know how to go into a ring rope. I didn't know how to do a body slam. I didn't know how to do anything. How did they let you in the ring? They didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Well, Chief J just said, Duh, screw it, go for it. Well, because I was introduced by Ernie Roth, and, and you know, it was it was just kind of like, and they the knew me when approval. I showed up, though. They were like, that's the photographer. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know? All right, guys, let's move on to the uh, Tag America event, if I can get to the right page, because Farrell never knows where the hell he is. Uh, we got the Tag event going on this weekend. Would you like to introduce yourself to the to the audience at home, my sure. fine friend? Absolutely. I'm Bob Hendrick, and uh, I am a tag team partner with my wife, Nancy, 
And we have this great fundraiser for Tunnels to Towers coming up on Sunday from 12 to 4 at 14 East Broadway, Port Jefferson. We have Sonny who's going to be there, we have John, and we have Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. He'll be signing these particular prints, which is from that painting right there, which someone can win because we have some great raffle prizes going on. So this should be a really great event for everybody, all the wrestling fans out there. And who's behind the drawing? Who's behind it? Tony Atlas, Hulk Hogan. And we painted that, and Tony's going to sign it, and that's going to be raffled off. All righty, folks. Well, I'm going to buy exactly? some raffles. I know the raffles are, what, $10 each? The ten, you know the raffles are only $10 each? I can't believe people. they're that cheap. You should raise them up to $20. You know, you're absolutely right, really? because that painting is valued at $3,500. Wow. So someone's going to be very happy. You know, come Sunday. Well, I'm going to buy $100 worth of raffles myself, because I like that painting. That would look nice in my gym. You know, the press heard round the world, I like to call it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's from Shea Stadium, 1980. Hey, Monty, you out there? You got anything else to add to this uh, this fine uh, festival over I'm here? I'm going to sit between the two boys. He's going to sit, sit right between here. the two boys. All right. Don't so, get all Mel anyway, Phillips on them. All in right. Port Jefferson, right? So what could people look forward to when they come to the event to your facility? And what else is going on? Well, we have, um, it's going to be country line dancing there, too. Yeehaw. Okay, and 96.1 My Country will be there. WJVC. Doing a live remote yeah. from 12 to 2 p.m. So it's going to be a lot of excitement. And Tag America basically is like an all made in America store. You know, nice. our emphasis is on God country and, you know, the best country in the world. God bless the United America. States of America. There you go. And artisans across so the country. So every, every, everything, every raffle that people are going to put that money, is 100% of that going to Tunnels? 100% Tunnels to Towers. So I think the fans, even that aren't in the state of New York, need to know what Tunnels for Towers is or what they do, what they do sure. for people. The Tunnels to Towers was actually uh, set up uh, after 9-11 when one particular fighter fighter, um, Stefan Siller was running through the tunnels to get to the towers, made it there, unfortunately did not make it out, you know, during the attack um, on 9-11. And this foundation was set up to help military, police, firefighters, everybody that suffered, you know, some sort of casualty, you know, back in 9-11 and currently to this day. Just as that, that uh, policeman a couple weeks ago, you know, they paid off his house, the mortgage for that. From East Northport. That gentleman. You know, and it's it's 93% of the funds that is collected by this organization actually go to the families. It's one of the highest rated organizations, one of the greatest fundraisers that there is out there. That's why we support it. And I think in the last local news, right, the police officer was unfortunately run down by a drunken driver. Yes. And she took his life. Tunnels for Towers paid the mortgage for that family so they don't have to struggle during these difficult times. God that is correct. I believe he had two uh, young children, and it, it's, it's such a tragedy, but Tunnels to Towers Foundation steps up and helps families like that. So I want the fans out there to realize again that at this event, Mr. USA Tony Atlas will be there. He'll be taking pictures, doing autographs, UWF superstar Sonny Beach will be there taking pictures, signing autographs. The OG of professional wrestling, the man that lit the fire, also a music genius. And yes, one thing we didn't cover, yeah. he was an executive for the New York Mets. Hello. Right? Big, big pork barbecue. 
And would you stop with the big pork barbecue? This poor guy. This guy is an icon <laughs> in the business. He will Funny. be there signing. Which I got to tell you, for uh. wrestling fans, Matt Memories is a read you don't want to miss. If you're old, thank you. New school. I'm telling you, Farrow and I discussed this book. It's like this painting. It rules. It is like it this rules. painting. It go. is an incredible bo book, and like I said, this guy's life. We'd all be lucky to have this dude's life. This is this is for sure. So I want to end the show with what we call the Pharaoh's final question. The Pharaoh looks in his mind, Ugh, and he's going to ask you his final question, John. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, John. Here we go. Yankees and Mets. <laughs> just kidding. Yankees. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's if funny. there was anything you could change over the course of your very, very diverse and interesting paths you took in your life, what would what would you change? Would it, anything? Uh, I think if there was one major thing I changed in my life would be in 1981 when I walked into a bar while I was working for the New York Mets in the minor leagues. Okay. And uh, a band took the stage. And the female lead singer in the cover band was Patty Loveless, who I then wound up quitting my job with the Mets mm. and then taking my whole career trajectory because I wanted to work for the Mets and I went into the music business. Right. I don't, if I think if I didn't go into that club that night, I'd still probably be with the Mets in some capacity. Mm. I mean, I wanted to call my book, I Should Have Stayed in Baseball, because mm. that mm. has been the true passion of my life, even more than wrestling in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I love the Mets, I love uh, baseball, and um, that, that changed my entire career direction. It's always uh, a woman. Did the genie promise a Dominic a World Series title? Because genie, be careful. <laughs> did I promise Dominic a World Series I know title? He, he says you're the genie, so I yeah. mean, as he asked there's for no genie that's ever going to put enough <laughs> magic dust on the Mets to make them a, a dynasty. <laughs> I, I had to check. I had Tinker to. The Mets find a, a way to break your heart in a different way every year, well, and this Jet is fan. no Tell exception this year. Yeah, I'm a Jet fan. Tell me about yeah, it. Jets right. too. So again, where can out of towners get the tag event uh, raffle tickets for the picture? Okay, they can. Um, Call 631-741-2344, 631-741-2344. Contact you guys. We can, we can work it out there. We want to make it as simple as possible. And just let everybody know, this particular painting, whoever wins it, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in Big Sky, Montana. We will personally ship this to you at our cost. And make sure that you will get this unbelievable painting of the press heard around the world. John, where can people get your books besides Sunday at the tag event? Uh, they can uh, get it at Amazon, or if you want a signed uh, numbered copy, just go to mattmemories.com, and there'll be a link there where you, where you can buy the book, and I'd sign it for you personally and number it. And you'll be at Wrestling Universe along with Tito Santana. I will be at the Sunday. Wrestling Universe Saturday from 3 to 6 with Tito Santana. And Sonny. Where can people see you? Sunday, this Sunday. I'm going to be at the big tag event out in Port Jefferson. Me and Tony Atlas signing autographs with John Arizzi and uh, telling stories, uh, you know, kissing some babies, shaking some hands, and uh, hopefully we sell a ton of raffles for this awesome, awesome, uh, you know, Tunnels and Towers, uh, you know, foundation and charity. And they, they do a lot of good things, and I'm so proud to, you know, be associated uh, with this event this weekend. So, Wrestling fans, come out, have a great day, meet some people, shake some hands, and uh, do a good thing for charity, good thing for Long Island charity, and New York Monty charities. And I want to say we're proud to have a sponsor like Tag America. We are honored to always have the great pro wrestler, great human being, Sonny Beach in-house. 
and John Arezzi. Thank you for have, giving us the honor to be able to interview you and giving us the respect to have you on this, this show. And I know I could speak for the Pharaoh in this case. You have lived a great life, and it's well-deserved, and you're a good human being. And, Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. And Thank you for asking me to be here. Thanks for coming down, John. I love your book and your story. It's very inspirational to the Pharaoh. So. Thank you. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh, and until next time, later.